Man, this church is so amazing. Uh, like you said, my name is Justice, and um, first service, the presence of God was just there. Second service, the presence of God is just here. Uh, I am a huge fan um, of the presence of God. <laughs> I love Jesus. He is my best friend. He is my savior. He is my king. He is my redeemer. He is my hope. He's everything. I'm not sad. I'm just moved by the presence of God in this house. Amen. When I got invited to preach, I was excited not to share my message, but to encounter God in this house. And he's here. He's completely here. All of him. And one of the things I'm learning as I begin to uh, minister to the Lord is sometimes you just have to get out of the way. And so what? And really just welcome him. Jesus can go wherever he wants, but he, he does like an invite. <laughs> he does like no, hearing from his children that they wanted him there. Amen. And so we enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Amen? Amen? And so what I want to do is just take a minute. Just take a minute. And I want you to pray out loud and just tell him you love him. Just tell him you're thankful for him. Just tell him that he's welcome here. I want to set up a lazy boy for the Lord. Every day. Every day. I just want to set it up. So I'm going to start praying. And then we're just going to go from there. And you guys can pray aloud with me. Is that cool? Awesome. Lord, you're welcome here. I just love you. You're just welcome here. We want more of your presence. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your steadfastness. Thank you for your goodness. You're welcome here. You're welcome here. You're welcome here. You're welcome here. More, God. More. I want more. I want more. For every person in this room, I want more. I want them to encounter you radically, God. I want them to know you, God. I don't want you to just be a name, but I want them to know the power behind the name of Jesus. I want you to resonate in their hearts, God. It's not enough, it's not enough just to say your name. We have to know you. It's not just enough to know about you. We have to encounter you. Thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name. Oh, he's here. I'm like always surprised that he's here. <laughs> he's always the same all the time. <laughs> like he's always comforting and good and loving, but every time it happens, I'm like, oh yeah, God, you're like that. So like Zach said, my name is Justice. I'm an I'm a executive director at a church called Normandy. Uh, I'm, I'm super honored to be here. We were actually birthed out of this church. My, my wife is a daughter of this house back when Antioch Dallas was Mercy Place. She sang on the worship team. She had a ton of healing happen in this church. My lead pastor came up through Antioch and Waco and was a part of this. He was, he's discipled by Jordan Ogden. Um, he actually got to visit him a few weeks ago. Like we are so for Antioch Dallas. Like we wouldn't be here without the movement. We wouldn't be here without y'all's prayers. You guys are doing so much more than you know just by existing. <laughs> just by you being you, people are getting inspired and going, I'm going to go and plant a church. Yeah. It's like the stuff that Zach was saying earlier, it's so true. 
the next person you invite, that you're just walking out in faith and you invite them, is the next church planter to Thailand. The next person you pray for and gets healed from cancer is the next church planter, lead pastor to the church in East Asia. Obedience with God is never forsaken. It's never looked at and just gone, oh, you missed it. He is a good steward of your obedience. He's an unbelievable steward of your obedience. So I just like, when Zach is up here saying his thing, you guys probably hear it week after week and you might get numb to it. I don't want you to get numb to that because I was that person. I knew God, but it wasn't until I was in a room of people that were going, we're going to go to Haiti. And then someone prophetically called me out and said, there's something on your life. And it was at that moment, I was like, I'm living for something more. You never know what your obedience can lead to. And part of it's none of your business. <laughs> I, I, I hate to be that guy. But it's like, it's up to the Lord what he wants to do with your obedience. You just get to co-labor. I'm not being mean. I'm, anyways, I want to honor some people in here today. Is Brad here, the guitarist? Is Brad still in the room? Is he still here? Come on. Yes, Brad. Brad, he's amazing. He's helped us do drums at our church sometimes. Brad, uh, has a great purpose on his life. What I felt like was like, Brad, you have a great purpose on your life. And what I felt like I saw you do was like digging for it, like digging and, and you knew it was great. You've known it's great, but you've been digging and digging and digging. And you're like, God, why don't you just give it to me? I know, you know, there's something greater, a calling on my life. And he's going, you're digging because I'm giving you the muscles that will allow you to carry the anointing that I'm putting on you. So the digging has purpose. Don't stop digging. Whatever that looks like, if the digging is you getting in the word, if the digging is asking more questions about God, about the way you were made and what you were made for, don't stop digging. He's putting in you the muscles that's going to carry the gold when you find it and you will find it. Cool? I believe in you. You're the man. I I love you. You're just incredible. We love you. Yeah, you can give it up. Brad's amazing. Um, And then, man, it's always important to honor the pastor of the house, right? The father of the house. You guys have an incredible pastor. Um, whenever I describe him, I often compare him to the lead pastor of Lake Point, and I've gotten to know him. It's just this massive church movement in Rockwall, but he's able to preach and execute at the same time. There's some people that can just preach, and they're great preachers, but ask them to put together a plan, and they're like, why'd you cuss at me, bro? <laughs> right? Where Zach is, he can plan and execute and come up and preach. It's a rarity. And what I felt like the Lord was saying is, he's putting you into a Noah season. Like he's about to push you off the docks. You guys are about to move into a season. Like he's a planner. He's gotten the blueprint for the ship and the ship is about to move. You guys are about to move into a new season. He's pushing you off the docks. And this is the man for the job. So I think it's important as people that we actually honor him. Like, can we just stand up and just clap and just honor the father of the house? Like he's the man. He is a good man. You're made for it. You're called. You can carry it. Come on. That's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. So good. So good. All right. Whew. You guys are amazing. So like I said, my, I'm honored to be here. Uh, I can't believe that I'm here. Uh, to think that I'd be sitting at Mercy Place and now I'm preaching at, on up here, is, it just feels crazy. Um, my heart today is to encourage and, and, and motivate you guys to hunger and thirst for the presence of God. 
I, I just want to encourage you. I can't make you hunger. I wish I could. I, I, I can't. I don't have that power. It's a decision that you have to make that you're going to actually create in yourself a hunger, an appetite for the presence of God. It means you're going, I'm waking up early to read the word, to worship and pray. I don't care what people think about me. I don't care what people say about me. I'm going to hunger. I'm going to take risk when I go to the supermarket. I'm going to pray for people. I'm going to go out and I'm going to intercede and I'm going to pray for the nations to come to know Jesus. I'm going to lay my life on the line for a people group. I'm telling you guys that there has to be that hunger. And what I want to do is I want to motivate and encourage you guys to hunger for one thing, his presence, because his presence is him and he is everything. The presence of God is here. I still remember when you guys were in your last building, I got invited with uh, John Bauer and Preston Todd, leaders in our church, to come to your training school. And I came there early, or I got there on time, John was late, and I was there, and I was sitting, and guys, I started to shake. And I didn't know if it was like, is it cold in the room? Is it something I ate? Like, is, am I scared of something? Like, I started to shake. And I was like, I think that's the presence of God. It was like your heart's going. You're just like, ah, what's going on? And I was like, man, I think the presence of God is here. Well, John comes. He sits next to me, and he just goes, whoa, God is here. And that same thing is happening to me now. Throughout worship, throughout this whole time that I've been here, I want to let you guys know, I want to create an excitement in you that not that I'm preaching, but that Jesus is in your house. He wants to be with you. He is so close. He is so close right now. He loves you so much. I wish I could come by each and every one of you and hold your face and tell you, Jesus loves you. He's not going to give up on you. You're made for purpose. You're going to change the world. He loves you so much. Worship him. Worship him. Give him your morning, your noon, your night. He's worthy of it all. I wish I could do that because he is so close to, the, to this movement because you guys have made room for him in your lives. So as I was praying and talking with Zach over this, I felt like the Lord said had something for this, for this church, which is don't quit. I feel like he wants to give you a spirit of perseverance in this house. And first service were for people that were, I felt were in pain and disappointment. Where in this service, I feel like we have a heavy, not that the other service wasn't heavily gifted, but I feel like there are people in here who have a heavy gifting, a heavy gifting, and they have a prophetic, big prophetic promises over their lives but they're not seeing it. So it's almost felt like a burden. And what God wants you to do is to not give up. Do not doubt the word, the promise over your life, but persevere. Don't endure it, persevere. Endurance puts up with, persevere fights through. Do you understand? You guys are fighters. You wouldn't have the church plants you've had. You wouldn't have the people in this place. You wouldn't have seen so much happen if you guys weren't fighting. Okay? So right now, what I want to do is I want to pray right now. If you're not one of those people, then you know somebody that is. In a church this big, you know your friend who's got a calling on their life and it's big. But let me just be honest. God, you're one of, children's God, so you're one of God's children, so you have a big calling on your life. You got saved, you're a new creation, you're now his child. That means the creator of the heavens and earth is your father. There are no small callings. So each and every one of you has a calling on your life, and maybe you're in the midst of between the dream, the promise, and the fulfillment of it, and I want you to pray. We're going to pray out loud with fervor, out loud with fervor for our friends to not give up, 
for you to not give up. Does that make sense? Who knows that preaching is not a one-person thing? It's a congregation thing. It's everybody that comes together, not for me, but for him. When the word aligns with your spirit, your spirit, the Holy Spirit says, Abba, Daddy. So when we say, come on, you're not saying, come on to me. You're saying, come on, God. Come, God, I want more. Come on. So we're going to pray, and I want you to pray with fervor, like it was your brother or your sister, that you see a calling on their life, and you're saying, don't give up. Hold on to faith. Hold on to Jesus, the sustainer, the strong tower. He will not fail you. Emmanuel, God with us. Let's pray with that. Sound good? I'm going to start going, and you guys go out loud with me. Come on. Lord, we ask right now, I ask for the friends in this house. They have an enormous calling on their life, and I pray that they would not quit, that, God, you would give them a perseverance, a perseverance, a strong perseverance, God, each and every person in this house, God, that they would not give up, God. They would not endure, but they would persevere, God. They would be like Jeremiah. They would be like Jeremiah, who would not stop going to God, persevering. Even if the people that they're facing are stubborn people, God, they wouldn't give up. They would pray for you to move. And they would know that they are the movement. They are a Jesus movement. And that, God, they were made for such a time as this, God. Give them that spirit of perseverance. When you were in the garden and you were, you were, you were sweating blood, God, you didn't give up. Even though you wanted the cup passed from you, God, you persevered for the joy that was set before you, God. You endured the cross. So, God, would you give them that perseverance, God, with power? Yes, God, with power. Come on. I can sense it now, church. There's something rising in you right now. I can sense it. Something is switching. There's something that's turning. Something's turning in you. So, God, right now, would they say yes to you? Would they say yes and amen? Oh, come on. Jesus' name. Amen. I only want Jesus. It's times like these that I just go, man, I don't even want to preach. I don't. I just want him. I just want him. I feel like I've finally gotten to that place where I've been so broken that I realize nothing else satisfies. It's the sweetest place where you just come to a place where you're at the end of yourself and you realize everything else that you've attempted has failed, except for Jesus. Oh, man, it's, there's no better place. So we're going to be in Luke 2, 25 through 40. I feel like for us to hunger, there, we don't have a presence problem, right? God is everywhere. What we often have is an awareness problem. We are not aware. And so I want to build an awareness in you, a hunger in you. So awareness grows where hunger is. You know when you're fasting and you see a billboard for food that you would never even think of eating and you go, oh, five-star meal, two of those. Big Macs? Yes. GMOs? Please. You know, you're just like, more hormones, more of them. I want them. You're just ready to go. You all know because you're hungering. You're hungry, so you're aware of all these different things, these foods, all this stuff. You know when you're single and you get to go on a date, you're like, oh, I can't wait. Hopefully she gives me a big hug. Oh, that'd be great. I just, I just, want, I just, want, I just want to shake her hand. That's the way it was with my wife, Stephanie. I was just like, well, our first date, I was just like holding her hand and playing with her hand, and she's like, this guy's weird. <laughs> I was hungry, man. I wanted a date. <laughs> for real. God wants you to hunger for him. 
He wants you to hunger for him. And so what we're going to go through today, are there's two characters in this story where it's Simeon and Anna. We're going to focus on Simeon. First service, we focused on Anna. And there's not a lot to know about Simeon, but all I know is this. He was given a massive promise. You will see Jesus before you die. What do you do with that? And so for this group, what do you do when you've got a heavy promise, a heavy call on your life, and your reality is not seeing it? What do you do? Joseph and Mary have been completely shook at this point by dreams and visions. Mary has been told she's going to carry, she is literally pregnant with a promise. The promise. She is pregnant with the Savior, with Jesus. Joseph is engaged to her. He finds out. He's like, no way. But it says he was a righteous man, which I feel like Antioch is full of righteous men. I feel like there's a lot of Davids in this house. A lot of Davids. And when I, what, I, what I feel like they're going through, they're going, man, what is going on with our life? We've got a promise, but nothing is matching up. The creator of the heavens and the earth, heaven, which is paved with gold, but we're having a baby in a barn. Let that sink in. We are scared. We can tell no one what is happening. The only person I can rejoice with is my cousin. What is going on, God. Where are we? This isn't even my baby. I can't tell anybody how embarrassed would we be, how shamed would Mary be. And they're traveling and they come to this place and there's no room but a barn and they have a baby. And eight days later, because Jesus is a firstborn son, they have to dedicate him to the Lord. They're hungry for hope. And the people that bring them the hope are the hungriest people in the temple. Isn't it interesting that they go to a temple, which I would suppose is filled with people, and only two people are aware that Jesus is in the room. Could I propose that it was because they built a lifestyle of hunger? They built a lifestyle of making themselves aware of the presence of God, that when he showed up, there was no ignoring it, even when he was in a baby form and could do nothing physically for them. They just wanted his presence. So let's read it, Luke 2.25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. Would we always be a people who just know how to carry the Holy Spirit with us everywhere we go? That we would just be a people that just knew how to carry the presence of God. That we would be obedient and pure in heart that we would just carry, that we would build in our secret place such a lifestyle of obedience and purity and devotion to the Lord and hunger for his spirit and prayer and worship that everywhere we go, people couldn't look us in the eye because all they would see was Jesus. They would see Jesus. 26. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. What do you do with that? Moved by the Spirit. Look at his obedience. He went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. What a privilege to behold him, to hold the Savior. What a privilege. 
would I know, would you know if God was in the room in the baby form, would you have an awareness, would you have built such a hunger that you would just know Jesus is here. He's right there, it's that baby. Simeon took him in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all nations. Come on. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Even in the moments where you've had promises and promises and prophetic words and promises, you can still lose hope. Even if you have vivid dreams and visions of Angels, not just any angel, Gabriel shows up. You can still lose hope because they were still marveled at what was said about him. They still needed a prophetic word. How often has God called you to someone to give them a word and you're worried about how they're going to feel or what they're going to say, but God has another plan for that word to give them hope because he is hope. He's hope. Everyone needs it. Everyone needs him. That's why this Christmas, this time where I'm hearing Zach tell you guys to invite him, going, yeah, you're bringing them to Jesus. Like, bring them to Jesus. Like, bring them to Jesus. Let them reject you. They rejected Jesus. Let them say whatever they want to say. But there might be one. There might be one that shows up this Christmas that gives their life to Christ. And their whole life is changed. And they change their family generations for generations. Mary and Joseph needed hope. Then Simeon, 34, blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. I think it's so important that we prophesy over our children. Can I just say that? Like, I think it's so important that if you work in kids ministry, that you are building up a time of prayer in your personal time when you know you're going to serve that Sunday to pray and bless these children, to speak prophetically over them, to speak into their life, to speak into their destiny. Like, guys, we are just this, like, we are the floor for them. Our ceiling is now going to be their floor. What if we built a foundation of prayer that just could not be ignored? 35. So that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Luke 2, 36. There was also a prophet Anna, the daughter of Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, 37, and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Sometimes you're given a promise, and in my life, I've had a lot of prophetic promises that are weighty. And when you get them, it's exciting. It's the honeymoon phase. Right? I've been to this conference, you might have heard of it, World Mandate. I went, and I mean, everyone, like, I came to the front to get prayer. I was hoping to get moved, to, like, just slain. I was like, put me up there. I want to fall out. I want to encounter God so powerfully that I can't stand. I want more. I'm that guy. Give me more. I want more. I want to see heaven. I want dreams. I want visions. I want more and more and more and more. I went up there. People were praying, and they started shaking, and they started laughing, and I was like, man, I came up here for that, and you're getting it. <laughs> I, I go to places, and I, it's not the first time, and I'm not trying to brag, but people will pray for me and say, I see a global movement over your life. I'm eating 
like lunch with my team. And this lady, random old lady from Kansas comes and says, you were made for ministry. And she starts prophesying over everyone and then comes to me and is like, ministry, big ministry. I had a prophetic night the other night and a person said, oh yeah, by the way, you're going to have a world platform. And then focused on my wife. And I was like, what do I do with that? You just said I was going to have a world platform. Because this has been my life. And for a lot of you in this room, you have gotten prophetic word after prophetic word after prophetic word. Five years ago, it was a filling of prophetic words. And then you learned to walk out. A good measure of whether you can handle a prophetic word is whether or not you think you have to carry it out. The how is not your business. Can God trust you with a word and so that you don't have to worry about making it happen? He does it. So then he started to do it in my life. He put me in places with youth. He started bringing youth to me. We would fill up my apartment. Kids were literally encountering a pouring out of God's spirit, weeping. I had kids come in and say, I saw my mom's head get smashed against a table, and I just need Jesus. I had kids come in and say, my dad left me. I just need a father. I had a kid say, I had a vision that I was walking, and God put his hand on my shoulder and said, I am your father. I was seeing the fatherless, the low income, encountering God with power. And I was like, this is just the beginning. Revival is here. I wasn't doing it. They were just coming. God opened up another home for us, a bigger house than our 900 square foot apartment. And we moved kids in there and it grew again. They were literally walking from the high school there. There was a kid that walked from Garland to Richardson just to be in there, miles just to meet Jesus. I cannot tell you how many times they would pray for each other, weeping, crying, God healing and restoring their hearts. And I'd hear kids say, yeah, I told you, you gotta come, he'll refresh you. They were speaking out the word of God without even having read the word of God. Power. Power. Every single time, there was no doubt in my mind that he would show up. It took one kid confessing one thing, and the room was done. And I barely had to train them on any ministry. Here's how you pray for somebody. Like, when you pray for somebody, have a mint. Put your hand on their shoulder. Like, you don't know where they're at in their walk, so make sure you ask them first. Hey, can I pray for you? It wasn't like that. Kids were cussing and going, hey, man, I'm going to pray for you, dog. Come here. Like, it was just, it was raw. And it was like, I'm made for this, God. The prophetic words are starting here, and it's going to reach the world. We had a shirt that said, every student in Lake Highlands. And we believed every student was going to come and meet God. And within a six-month period, about a year and a half ago or a year ago, in a six-month period, one kid died. One kid got shot outside of a Walmart. Another kid got in a crazy car wreck. Another, a dental, a weird dental thing. A buddy of mine died, and the youth ministry ended. What do you do when you have a promise, a prophetic promise that has been checked and tested and it's true and it's true and it's true, but your circumstances are going, that promise is a lie. What happens when they don't align? What do you do? What do you do with heartbreak? There were days where I'd be on the floor in the living room and I couldn't get up, so depressed. My wife was nervous because it's not me. I was scared of me. I would walk into meetings and it was just like, I couldn't even think of what was going well. 
even if I tried. The question's, what's the point? Lord, did you really call me to this? God, if you're in charge, you can fix this. Why aren't you fixing this? Take care of this. Tragedy, crying. I was speaking at one of the kids' funerals, weeping, looking at the front row. And here's all these kids that I've led that have no dads, and they're weeping, and I don't know what to say or what to do. God, you could have saved this life. God, what do I do for these kids? What do I do? I left out the door. I couldn't even stay to hug all the kids. I hugged a few of them. I jumped in my car, drove off, and I'm screaming in my car, God, move. What are you doing? These kids need you. What's happening? You're tearing it all apart. Is the promise still true? I believe in this room, there's some of you in here that are on the edge. You're about to quit. And I'm asking and begging of you, don't quit. Hang on to the promise. God does not give up on his word. His word does not return void. He is the fulfiller of his word. He is building in this church, in this Antioch Dallas movement, a spirit of perseverance. He's giving you a new gear. You think you only have four gears. He's going, oh, by the way, I've provided a fifth gear for you. You're about to move into it. If you quit now and go to neutral, you'll never even know the goodness I have for you in the fifth gear. And you'll love it. But in order to handle that fifth gear, you've got to learn some new muscles. You've got to learn some new things. I'm going to return you to the basics. You actually have to make these things something that you don't negotiate. Praying, in the word, time with me. It's non-negotiable. If you can't handle it, you can't handle the promise. What happens when all this goodness comes on you? Will you be a steward of it? Simeon had a promise, massive, bigger than mine. You're going to see him before you die. Are you kidding me? I made a decision to fight for God's presence. I decided that it's him or nothing. And if nothing happens and all I have is him, he's enough. He's more than enough. I started waking up early, early, early in the morning to pray and persist and intercede on people's behalf. I had days for specific people to pray and intercede for the youth, for our church, for the lost, for the nations, for the elders, for everybody. I was pressing in with purpose and I gave up my circumstance. I said, my circumstance is none of my business. I'm holding on to the person of Jesus Christ. I started reminding myself of the prophecies and the promises over my life. I went back to the prophecies that had been texted to me, and I read them over and over and over again. Right now, we are listening. My wife and I, at night, will play the prophetic stuff that was, that was spoken over us, and we'll remind ourselves of the goodness of God, the words that he's spoken. We go back to Psalm 126, and we read it, and we say, this is true. It is God's word, and it will happen. We go back to Joel 2.28. He will pour out his spirit. I go back to Acts and I read about the early church and I say, God, do it again. Do it again. It's not just a worship song with nice words. It is a declaration of my house. He will do it again. He will bring revival to Dallas. He will save the lost. He will reach the nations. But he's looking for a yes. I made a commitment to God to die over this thing, this Jesus thing. I never committed to being perfect, but I did commit to being persistent. He's not looking for perfection. He's it. He is perfection. He's not looking for another him. 
He's looking for a willing person that can say yes, that will go and do the things that he's called them to do and will trust him and not put their faith in the miracle, but put their faith in the person who is always faithful. So what happens when you have a heavenly promise, but your reality doesn't align? Lou Engel, a sweet intercessor, says that oftentimes dreams can feel like a nightmare before a promise fulfilled. I get it. I'm just coming out of the nightmare. Sometimes every time I get a prophetic word, I'm like, oh gosh, this is too much. Please, I can't handle that word right now. But I hold on to him. I hold on to the person. I hold on to his presence. I meet with him in the morning. I read his word. And it's not just a reading of his word, guys. This is something to feast upon. I can't live without it. I cannot live without his word. I cannot. I cannot. I cannot live without it. I'm in the Psalms. When it's really dark, I go to the Psalms. When I'm looking for hope, I go to John. When I need to be reminded that he's a miracle worker, I'm in John. When I need perseverance, I'm in Jeremiah. Come on. Come on. Come on. When I need a reminder that he is more powerful than I could ever imagine, I go to Ezekiel. Like, I'm going, God, I need to be reminded. And I'm telling you guys, you won't make it without his word that is alive and active. It's a sword. What are you fighting with? Are you fighting with your thoughts and opinions and your feelings? Or are you fighting with truth? Can we be a generation that everywhere they go, we go, they go, those guys believe. They actually believe in the person. I see it in their lives. So what do you do? First, you pray without ceasing. You do not stop praying. Pick your time, pray. Pray. And praying is majority you not talking. Remember, we, we, we have a relationship with Jesus. He will continue to meet you as you continue to talk. But we serve a God who speaks. And his words are life. So when you're down and you're out and you need life, I would encourage you to listen so you can be filled. You prepare your house for the promise. Let me say that again, because that's what I see Zach doing here, and I see you guys doing here. It is going, we're preparing our house for the promise. You guys are going to reach the nations. You need space. You're in a new building. You are preparing your house for the promise. You're going to have people that are going to send out. You have equipping nights. You have different training schools. Why? Your house is being prepared for a promise. You guys will reach the nations. But individually, in your daily life, what is the promise over your life? Have you prepared your life for the promise? Have you made time? It takes work. It takes work. Christine Kane says this, revival is a four-letter word. W-O-R-K. You've got to live by risk. You've got to take risk. For every person that I pray for that I don't know, there's like 20 people that I was too scared to do it. But God looks at my desires. He looks at my heart. You've got to pursue God's presence. That's fasting on his word, feasting on his word, fasting and prayer. Back to the basics, guys. You can't sacrifice those things. Sacrifice time with your friends. I'm not being harsh. I love you guys. I'm being real. People's lives are at stake. I'm not speaking like hellfire and brimstone, but I'm saying hell is real and there's people that need him and he's like, I trust you. I trust you. There's, there's people I could take you down the road. I could take you to five points. There's people who don't know what they're going to eat the next day. 
There's people who have a calling on, their, on, on themselves to create massive amounts of wealth, but they're broke right now and they need someone that will train them in Crown Financial. But they don't know how. They need someone to disciple them. Who's going to disciple the next generation? We have to move from a place of seeing ourselves as sons and daughters to mothers and fathers. We really do, no matter your age. You're his son and daughter, but now you're called to father and mother a movement here in Dallas. Let's do this really quick. Can we go to John 4, 34 through 35? Jesus says this, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. He's here. I hope that we can have a mental shift of sharing the gospel, of praying for the sick, of taking risk, and we don't see it as a duty but we see it as a privilege that's going to feed us. When you take risk, God is feeding you. He is feeding you. Jesus is going, and they're going, man, aren't you? He's just going to the woman at the well. He's doing all this stuff. They're going, aren't you hungry? Aren't you hungry? Aren't you hungry, dude? You need to eat. Sit down. He's going, man, chill. The work of God fills me. And I'm looking at you guys and saying, be filled. Don't just sit and read and be filled and not activate. Don't become fat with knowledge. Don't become fat with knowledge, but be starving with action. We've got to be able to, yes, we want to know more, but it's leading us to a person and we're taking the person to a people group. You were married, you were made for it. 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 Guys, you were made for it. I can't say it enough. I want to drill this into your heart. You were made to change the world. You, you. Yes, I know you're tired. You've got kids. You've got all kinds of stuff. You've got work, and it's nine to nine. I get it, but you were made to change the world. Watch God do miracles through your life. Watch him show up. I can't tell you how many times God has moved through me on my weakest point. And I go, that's all it took? That's all it took? Just a yes? I've been with drug dealers praying for them, and I go, do you feel that? They go, something's moving, something's shaking. I've gone to people that are high on the street, on the corner, and prayed for them, and then they said, no, God's not doing anything. Later, they went to my friend and said, where's that Jesus guy that came by? I need him to come back. I didn't want to talk about him in front of my friends. God wants to work through you. I'm not some kind of varsity Christian. I'm just like you. I'm just like you. I'm just like you. Part of me wishes I never was a pastor because then they think it was my responsibility to do it. I saw more power when I didn't have the title because guys were going, you really love him. No one made you do it. It's food to me. Are you hungry? Four thirty-four 34 through 35. I'm going a little bit over. Let's go 13 through 14. Chapter 4, 13 there. Thank you. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. He's talking to the woman at the well. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Come on. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. 
Let's drink. When we worship, we're drinking. This place should be a Holy Ghost party every Sunday. Every building around here should go, there's a sound coming out of that place, and it sounds like angels. I don't know what it is. There should be a Holy Ghost person because we're coming and we're thirsty and we're hungry, and we're saying, I know a place, friends. I know a place where you can come and you can eat and you can drink of something bigger than what you're going to find in food. It is eternal life. And Jesus said, eternal life is this. It's knowing me. Do you know him? Do you want people to know him? Are you dying on this thing? Are you willing to risk your life for this thing? Are you willing to bring people into this relationship? Are you willing to charge the hill for Jesus? I'm asking you guys. Zach didn't ask me to say all this Antioch stuff, but Antioch changed my life. And there's a million justices out there saying, where is someone that's hungry for me to meet Jesus? Because I need purpose and I need life. And there's a room filled with right here. And I'm going, go. I'm not mad. I'm fired up. Go, go, we're ascending church, go, 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 your friends need them, go, go, go. I had a friend commit suicide and I wish I had another minute with him and I'm going, please, just go. You never know when someone's ready to give up and they're looking for hope and hope is in you. I believe in you guys so much. My heart is for you, it's for you. So I'm gonna pray to close because I'm a mess up here. But I love him and I love you guys. But we're gonna, I'm going to pray. And we're going to have a ministry team up here. And I know as I'm preaching, you might say, man, I want that Jesus. Maybe you don't have a relationship with him. And you've been, you're, you're separated by him. You're separated from him and you want to be brought near. And I have good news for you. Jesus wants you to know him. And he died on a cross to give you a gift of eternal life, which is knowing him. He wants a personal relationship with you. And all you have to do is say, Jesus, here I am. I am a sinner. I admit it. But I heard you had a gift and I want to welcome you into my life to be the master of my life. And I heard that you're good. I welcome you. And maybe you're here and you're sick and you need healing. Come. Maybe you need hope. Come. The prayer ministry team will be here. So let me pray. We want to see you meet, meet Jesus. Yes, God. Thank you, Lord, for always showing up. Thank you that your goodness is not dependent on our behavior. But you're good because you're good. You have no other way to be. So, God, I pray that this people group that's here in this room right now, would not give up, they would not just endure, but they would persevere, and they would not see their promises as a curse, but something to be fulfilled, and something that you want to fulfill in their lives, and that they would build a hunger in their lives, just like Simeon, for your presence. I pray that in Jesus' name, amen.